This is Mariah Karina and Arakai Moon. We are coming at you with part two of Mars in Gemini and also the Uranus retrograde. Last time we were uh, taken down by Mars <laughs> in that I did not remember to press record for this, I think, you know, very power packed second half. But thankfully, I think it's allowed us to take a little bit more time to sit and refine and listen even deeper to the archetypes and the messages that are coming through. So in part one, we were talking about how so much of the Gemini wound is actually not feeling like your own reality is being validated or mirrored back to you. You can see this a lot with couples, actually. If they have Pluto in the third, they're constantly getting in fights about whose reality gets to exist here. And they're losing that Gemini potential where there's a reality where multiple realities are possible. And I think somewhere stranded between those two, between my reality doesn't get to exist and be validated on the one end of the spectrum, and there are so many multiple realities I'm completely flooded and don't know what's real on the other side of the spectrum, is what Arakai was saying, the potential for mental illness in the medical astrology of Gemini. And so I think now we've all been indoctrinated into these stories of what reality is. And yet if we look around us, a lot of those stories are not corresponding to the actual reality that we can perceive. Culture, the economy, what the shape of a life can look like. I mean, in my practice, I see a lot of people who are millennials and they're like, the entire shape of how you would progress through a life cycle no longer applies. The future is no longer reliable. Um, all of these different ways in which we've learned about reality through language and story don't match our direct experience. And to me, that's the benefit of this Mars ceremony is because it's bringing back attention to the energy body. It's bringing back attention to the ability to sever, to cut from these narcissistic, abstracted maps of reality that we've been entrained in and get back to what seems true to me, what seems right to me, what's my actual energy trying to do, what stories make sense. Right. And reclaim our power because wherever Mars is, I feel like that is where what we have energy to fight for, what we have energy and where is it going to be plugged in? Where are we going to give our energy? And to me, when Mars is in devotion to that Pluto, you know, to that, that soul desire for a deeper evolution and true power, I feel like, you know, because my Saturn is actually in the third house, I feel like a huge part of my life and a part of my medicine is is <laughs> having the challenging and sometimes devastating experience of being disillusioned over and over and over and and really forced it feels like to and and deeply invited <laughs> um to take my power back inside of um consensus reality inside of large thought grids you know that ultimately have like such as Christianity, such as a lot of other consensus reality programs. And I think growing up being psychic has really also been a part of that mm. challenge and that deep invitation when, like you're saying, it doesn't actually meet up with our experience. It doesn't actually match up with what reality is telling me based on what I'm seeing. And so I'm actually rereading this um, book by Jeremy Narby, The um, Cosmic Serpent. And he's 
you know, he has, he comes in with his like Western filter of understanding and he's studying the shaman and he's having these really profound psychedelic experiences with these plants. And he's constantly butting up to like the Western approach of like the, the consensus reality or like what is, what is deemed possible or logical or even in the realms of possibility is completely against what these indigenous, um, you know, teachers are telling him and what his actual experiences with the plant medicine are and what he's experiencing, you know, the interdimensional beings and the multiple dimensional realities of life through these like quote unquote hallucinations. Right. And so he starts to realize that like so many, like the way that he was actually seeing these people are not in a psychosis like these people's experience that it actually is not just these kind of like ethereal or mental um you know things that they like to talk about or abstract ways of like creating mythologies or or you know things that like are disconnected from physical reality but what he was seeing is that they were actually able to pull these experiences and implement them in very practical logistical ways of life like and survival you know with like how the plants taught him what they represent and everything and like what they're good for and just how to work with like the the symbols of of nature and everything um and so I think just why I'm bringing him up right now is he was saying I had to start putting away some of this western approach of perceiving it because I had to actually believe it before I was even able to see it instead of the other way around. And there's something about that that really stuck with me because it's like this Mars in Gemini, like you were saying, it's like this languaging can really have like so many people, even with astrology is like, I don't want to compartmentalize and label and like freeze myself into this like statue of an archetype and be like this, you know, fraction of a human. And instead, I feel like the, the beauty of, of Mars and Gemini or Gemini in general would be like, how do we find this where this creates more worlds? Like, I'm always like, it's bad magic if a practitioner is creating a spell or a story based on their limited understanding of these archetypal experiences or what a planet transit could look like and then they're locking people in instead of like creating like worlds that they get to like choose your own adventure in you know and I feel like that's really a part of what I think this Gemini invitation this Mars and Gemini invitation is is like taking our power back and being able to find ways where it actually invites us into deeper connection there was a long time where I stopped doing readings because there was something so distasteful to me about that element where you're meeting someone for the first time I'd have people write up a little bit of their context and what questions they had for the stars. And then I would sit there for an hour and just tell them who they were. And I had to step back from it for a mm. while and really rethink, right? Gemini, rewire my brain around what a reading was, what it could be. And yeah, instead of trying to concretize someone, give them a new identity mask to wear or a new story about themselves and what they were supposed to do in life really how to make it a play, how to make it amusing, how to make it a joyful exploration of possibilities that were natural to their process. Right. And that actually invite them into more potential. Yes. You know, a lot of growth. And more plasticity. Mm-hmm. And this is where I feel like this Mars and Gemini retrograde back and forth 
is working in collaboration with this special spice of Uranus Mm. conjunct the North Node in Taurus because it's like Mars and Venus interacting together. And so much of Venus Mm. and Taurus is about our security, our survival, our self-worth. And that to me shows it's like all the places in which we have plugged into the system. We have internalized the stories. We have disembodied or disavowed parts of ourselves. Like you're saying, so little of the human experience is actually allowed in consensus reality. It's such a thin band. Just the tyranny that we live inside of scientific materialism of and just, just the plants experience like they were yeah. literally like plants cannot communicate with this like this and so therefore we have to negate all of what all these indigenous cultures like throughout the world are saying and within their own culture ad- exactly we have to murder everyone in our own culture who has a relationship with plants in order to be able to you know launch the flag not How listen to what they're saying and we're deny their voice and their intelligence which is just complete insanity it's so funny to me where it's like oh the way that these different civilizations discovered things like natural painkillers let alone stuff like how to combine chakruna and ayahuasca to be able to make this very special experience that they embedded within like a deeply rich ceremonial space the way that they got there was trial and error it's like, ask anybody, go to those places, ask them. It's like, oh, how'd you know that this was good to staunch bleeding? How did you know that this was good for eyesight? They're like, we asked the plants. Yeah, they tell you. <laughs> they tell you. And so it's like, we're so plugged into this stuff that has been our survival, our self-worth for so long. And I feel like Uranus going across that North Node, it's creating all of this chaos and destruction, this true Armageddon, mm. right? The unveiling that is, I think, has the potential for this sort of dangerous liberation. Dangerous because it feels really scary and chaotic, but it is liberating because as long as those things are working, we think that they are our safety. We think that they are our hashtag success goals. Mm -hmm. And the more it falls apart, the more it brings us back to that one thing that we have, our perception. Exactly challenging our authority, challenging that part of us, because it's so interesting too having this Uranus, but in Taurus aspect of it, because like you were saying, the Taurus is the Venus, which is like what we really value, you know, and the Mars is like, how do you go for what we really value? You know, what energy are you going to go for? And, and Venus being Eve, Taurus being Adam, their baby being Gemini, Cain and Abel. Wait, Taurus being Adam? Wait, go slower. Because right. I'm okay. so okay. interested in this. <laughs> Lay it out for real. Right. So How I guess, do you see it? Yeah, so what I'm seeing is like with Adam and Eve, Adam is the cerebrum, is connected to the cerebrum, and it's referred to, it, it like re- is represented by Aries. And then Eve is the cerebellum, as above, so below. It's represented by Eve. And then they had a baby, which were the twins, Cain and Abel. Two babies. Very yeah. Mercury, very Gemini, very right. t- trickster. Messenger of the gods, Cain and Abel, which was the Gemini. And to me, the interesting part of... And so this is like the, the first three stages of our development. You know, like, who are we? What do we value? And then how do we communicate that? How do we learn? 
you know, how do we connect? And that nervous system, you know, that, that really connects our hormones and our survival and the ability to, to actually experience consciousness, to experience ourselves and experience the other. And then we have Uranus, which I feel like is such a representation of God, such a representation of like energy coming from the stars down to earth, you know, mm -hmm. liberating. And I think that it's really giving us this opportunity to grow up, mature, grow up our, our egoic personality, um, our value system and all of our energy. Like what, what are we doing with this creative life force? I mean, in, in that, in the garden of Eden, they were like, you're going to eat this fruit from the knowledge of good and evil and you will be like God. And so I think that that, that part of it that was like always giving this, you know, separation between God and, and its creation. I think this is a time where we can start like to bridge that gap and take responsibility because like that outer planet is coming in to initiate a very egoic personality part that I think is extremely crucial that we can like wake, like our inner warriors can wake up. Like our inner, um, like human egos need to wake up to that connection to the divine, need to wake up to that connection to the like greater cosmos. Okay, two things. Mm -hmm. The first is you're always talking about, you know, the narcissism of Christianity mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. ways, one of the, main, one of the <laughs> primary ways that um, narcissists triangulate is through the scapegoat and the golden child. Mm -hmm. And it's right there. Right like, there. Exactly. Adam has Lilith and... Eve, right? And Eve is the golden child. And that be has become the dominant culture of what we value. Exactly. And what we have to participate in in order for our survival. That's the story. By marginalizing Lilith, you know, which is all the things um, that then become taboo and like mm -hmm. all of that stuff. So it's like already there. And then they have Cain and Abel who are also one of them is good and one of them is bad. Yeah. It's like it's like sexism and racism right there. And Cain and Abel, even in the um, stories, and this might be a little off, but um, in the stories of it, I, I think that one, I can't remember which one, but it was like the story of like the nomadic people. Like one is like gathering and hunting more and the other is like the harvester, like the, the agricultural one. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that in and of itself seems to be telling... Um, you know, like holding some sort of mythological seed of the the different like stages of human humanity right there and like the killing of that or the And the same value system. Like right. did you ever read that book Ishmael? Mm -mm. It was doing a retelling of the Bible where it was about when we started doing agriculture is also when we became obsessed with creating surplus and then right. we needed people to work and we created class stratification and it was like a scarcity mentality whereas like more those hunter gatherer nomadic herders they were on the move right they didn't right. want to hold on to a bunch of stuff they were killing what they needed they were exactly. like in cooperation with their animals um so I think again it's like what we've ended up valuing has been this agricultural enslavement of the plants and animals in order to perpetuate class right. stratification and create surplus because it's a fundamentally scarce and insecure connection. And that with in and of reality. Itself, 
Right, right. And that in and of, in and of itself, I feel like, creates um, just this extraction and prostitution of not only ourselves, but everything that we end up actually valuing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you value the plants or the, or the rocks or the rivers, it's like, I feel like the first thing is, like, how do we make money from it then? Mm-hmm. How do we find a way to keep it? How do we find a way to make it to be something productive for us? Yeah. And I feel like there's so many excuses for that. But I think that this narcissistic, in my opinion, trauma bond that we're in with this kind of authority system or this kind of, these kind of deities, um, this are like our historical relationship to, you know, even when we were in a polytheistic culture, I think that it was, it was very much like, how do we appease the gods? And I think some of that was, you know, in some ways giving, you know, being in right relationship to nature, but I think a lot of other I think there's a lot of other ways in which that was also in this um, serving of them. And oftentimes, what were the sacrifices? Plants and animals to these gods, to these like really hungry, always hungry, jealous gods. Mm. They're like sacrificing not, well, yes, there was human sacrifices as well, but there is a lot of animal sacrifices. And I just, I find that very fascinating that for some reason, our relationship to God's has always required a lot of sacrifice for the earth. Mm-hmm. I we can never be sure, but um, but I think a lot of times, so much of these sort of like dominant culture narratives and tendencies and colonizer mindsets are very easy to be able to recognize in um, certain Europeans who have really have gone all over the world and colonized and spread their belief systems. Right, Gemini, huge power. There's so much power in story created the races, created the gender roles, all these different things. Um, but a lot of these other indigenous traditions, I remember in deep in an ayahuasca ceremony, uh, what came to me was that there are these yugas, there are these eras, and that even though it was like maybe these particular Europeans who discovered the guns, germs, and steel, or whatever, had the technology or the organization or this confluence of factors within their own consciousness and without, in their material circumstances to go out and colonize the world so successfully that that consciousness was also echoed potentially in some of these other indigenous civilizations, right? Mm -hmm. That there were also monarchies and you're saying hungry gods and patriarchal class structures and um, that, yeah, not to, just not to idealize anyone. Absolutely. Because I do think that these gods or these human desires have been at the forefront for the last at least what we can track in many thousands of years mm-hmm. um the last couple several thousand years um and yeah at the expense of a lot of caves and minerals yeah. <laughs> and um sacred ones that I would prefer to have heard their mm-hmm. true songs and and stories and dances and desires around like what what they wanted their bodies yeah to be tended and courted and offered like Mm-hmm. you know totally and I think that that also just goes back to what I was saying earlier about like how can we really like learn like how can we experience Gemini and experience language and experience these these ways in which like archetypes and these you know, seemingly like categorical, um, 
systems that we have inside of Gemini, how can that actually bring us into a deeper connection and a deeper understanding that opens all of these like really intricate parts of people and the world and, ex and all of existence really right and instead of limiting it yes and to think, me that's what's so exciting about these transits yeah you said this in that you know shit that got not recorded but um <laughs> it blew my mind so I want to bring it back because we're talking about Mars right rules Aries and Uranus in is Aquarius which rules Aquarius and Aries and Aquarius are the most rebellious signs of the zodiac and I just love that and they're the rebellious from two different phases of the life cycle yeah Mars and Aries the most rebellious because it's like me I am I exist right it this had, wasn't working before let's try a different thing don't tell me what we were doing before because we're doing something different I'm climbing to the top of this mountain I don't care if people are following me <laughs> I have an idea I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna go Boom. for it <laughs> And then it's almost like you do the entire developmental cycle of the wheel and you get to, like for me, so much of Capricorn, which is, you know, nighttime or feminine Saturn, is the Saturn of the structures that's really living out the dogma of the day. It is the leader. It is the grandmother. It is the elder. It's the one who's, you know, deep in winter deciding how many resources we have, mm -hmm. what systems we can set up in order to make it all work. They're the one who's living out the party line, doing their role in society that they're supposed to do. Whereas by the time you get to Aquarius, it has that um, masculine Saturn flavored by Uranus. And it's other. It's other to the system. And it's standing outside of it and being like, this needs to change, that needs to change. Like, innovation. This is how it fits together. Let me, like, fly above Let's bring a bird's it, eye view. Let's and like, bring it to its highest. Like, mm -hmm. this could be improved. That could be improved. And, and it's all about freedom. Like, it's all about the liberation of the individuals. Like, finding ways where the collective and the humanitarian, you know, groups can all be connected. But while remaining individuals and, like, advocating for that freedom. Which I think is so, such an ally to that Aries. Because I feel like Aries gets, like, smashed by the, the external Capricorn sometimes. You know, because square. our system is exactly a square. Because our system especially does not... Like our, what our version so far has been of creating our Capricornian systems do not support people being in true relationship to their fire and their individuality. And it's like that war that we've spoken about. That we war recommend on Mars. listening to both of these The Secret Codes of Venus and The War on Mars for more. And Starhawk has this thing where um, she was sort of talking about, she has this amazing thing, it's called like the Empowerment Manual. It's drawn from her decades of experience doing community organizing and also magical ritual with people and permaculture with nature that she then extrapolates to also do social permaculture. Love Starhawk, she's so brilliant. And she had these different animal archetypes for the different ways in which people function as you know, working together to do community organizing. And there's one where it's like, there's a lion and there's a workhorse. I'm not remembering the exact archetypes, but the one that really burned in my brain is snake. Because it's like, if people are inside having a meeting, snake is the one who's going outside to the mm. people out in front who are drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and talking shit. Snake is the one going around getting all the sacred gossip mm -hmm. and bringing it back because that gossip is part of the system's intelligence. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's Aquarius. It has such an eye mm -hmm. for the marginalized, such an eye for who the systems are not serving. And all of the 
seeds of innovation, all of the answers to the solutions, all of the clarity of what is problematic about the systems exist are there. Mm. The future, the seeds of the future are in the marginalized. Right. Right. That's why I just love that Aries and Aquarius allyship because, you know, the Aquarius is hugging, the Aries and the Aquarius are hugging that Pisces. And with that Aquarius being that serpent, which for one, I'm just so attracted to Aquarians and so, so endlessly attracted to serpents for that tracking quality. And it feels like there's something about the Aries that is also a part of that marginalized energy. It's like fighting for the underdog, but it's also a part of the underdog in a sense, Mm -hmm. because it's like going out on a limb. It's going out where... It's pioneering. It's pioneering. And it's also rebelling. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's also very oppositional, right? And so I, I think there's something so interesting about those two like feeling those two archetypes, like feeding back into Pisces and almost meeting in this imaginal realm and then coming back out and like serving their unique positions inside of that developmental cycle, that developmental wheel. Because I love just imagining the two of them like hugging Pisces, right? Like I think Aquarius in its right places like has all of this, like you're saying, freedom to offer. It makes me think of my grandma towards the end of her life. She just got so loose, you know? She would just say whatever she really thought about people. She was no longer tied by all the social roles and hosting and this and that. She like let her hair go wild. She just meditated and played the piano all day. She went back to being a nudist when no one was around in her apartment in the Upper West Side for a while. Cool grandma. Just let it out, especially there in her Aquarius Mm. phase of life. And then you know she passed away. Mm. And maybe it is some of that liberation energy, I think, that helped her kind of embrace her death as like a beautiful experience of consciousness. Mm. And then being born again out of that Piscean Samadhi. It's like you're born with a fire in your belly in that Aries place. Yeah, I just really keep thinking about how they need to inform one another. Like you said, that the seeds of the future are inside of those marginalized places. And then it's almost like you need to know where you're going to rebel mm-hmm. and where, like, what direction is the pioneering from the information and the in, like, wisdom that's been gained inside of, of that Aquarian experience as well. And like to me, Uranus is just such a massive liberating teacher. You know, I, I feel like Uranus is like the, it's the main reason I became a full-time astrologer because I, mm. I feel like I can see it psychically in people's nervous systems. I can really see exactly when they're going through a Uranus opposition or a Uranus transit that's really, and it's affecting them in a really physiological way. And so I think that when we have, you know, Mercury going retrograde, Mars and Uranus going retrograde like this, it's really such a powerful time for this, this dieta and to regain our true direction liberate it from patriarchy, liberate it from capitalism or anything that's been like siphoning our direction, our purpose, our ideas of what we should be doing, any of those things. It's, it's like, now's the time. 
to unhook from it. Like you said, the popsicle sticks are all like the glue and the popsicle sticks are holding everything together. It's all starting to show anyways. And it's, it's, we've been in this long, thorough process of, um, you know, the Capricornian system since COVID, um, being deconstructed, you know, deconstructed and we're moving into when we are in, um, a lot of Aquarius energy. And so getting our actual egoic selves and like very core fundamental parts of our sexuality and gender or whatever it is that all of it really, um, online with that purpose and with that like soul high dream, I think is, is crucial. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. That's how I feel. Just to close this out. Um, I really do. I feel like shit's a little scary. The chaos is a little scary. There's been a lot of violence in the street that I've seen and a lot of really disturbing behavior. Yeah, I guess um, it's all most in other places too. I just left Mexico and the cartels. Pretty, yeah, happening there also. Too, yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of violence all over this world, right? right? And um, I don't want to diminish that at all or like minimize that. I think that's a part, in fact, of reality to come to terms with, right? That is, they are the marginalized also. The system is not serving. And at the same time, I feel like these transits are allies for us, right? These systems crumbling are the clear invitation to sever, to return. I think what you're saying about and like... Test, testing us. It's like we are, they are our allies if we learn how to really work with this energy. And they're they are absolutely giving us a, a container and a portal for for being tested so that we can transform and, yeah. and actually heal from some deep, deep embedded patterns, you know, that have been influencing our entire way of creating reality. On that note, I want to close out by saying um, that we just launched our Patreon. Uh, Good segue. <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool. We sat down with each other and really thought about what we could genuinely offer that we think would be supportive and um, that would really light us up and really access to channel and connect with our allies and also be of service. And so we created some tiers that have a bunch of opportunities for you to ask questions, get your chart read, get unique energy updates and readings just for you or that are more collective. Uh, we tried to keep it really reasonably priced and available for anyone and everyone. And of course, we also are both offering individual readings if you'd be interested in that too. Absolutely. Because speaking of allies, we would love to be your ally too help you through these initiations to learn with and with each other and um yeah it is it is I think both of us share this deep passion to not only liberate ourselves but to also be a voice um for these planets and these archetypes to have their true power and their true essence really be liberated from um these limited these limited systems that have been, I think, affecting a lot of the ways that we engage with these energies and these archetypal elemental forces of nature and um, helping people really experience it. Talk about Mars and Gemini, liberating even from the stories of the planets. Absolutely. And especially. Okay. So much love you all. And we'll see you next week. Bye.